della Napoli, addio, addio, la tua soave immagine, chi mai, chi mai scordar potrò, del cielo azzurro fulgido, la placida marina, quale correrò di nebria, non Benvenuto and ciao ragazzi to the brand spanking new podcast to come out of the Far From Vesuvius Network. This is the inaugural first episode of In the Shadow of Vesuvio. My name is Henry Bell. I'm going to be hosting today. I am not in the shadow of Vesuvio. I'm in the west of Scotland where it's very windy and cloudy and I'm getting very depressed. But you're not here to listen to me. You are here to be in the presence of Napoli Twitter legend, who you might know as Get Napoli Tickets, but we know as Michele Borelli. Ciao, how is Naples? How is Napoli? Oh, beautiful. Hello, everybody. Ciao, Henry. Every... You're too kind, first of all, my friend. Yeah, way too kind. But yeah, yeah thank you so much for the, for the nice introduction. Uh, Napoli is fine. The weather is fine. Uh, moods does not reflect the weather, unfortunately. Kind oh, of, kind of, yeah. It's been it's been sad since Sunday so far, but yeah, we'll uh, we'll try to unpack it. In this, we have that. chosen like the worst day possible to start a new podcast, but it's I fine. So. But uh, so where whereabouts ish are you? Are you in Naples? What, what basically? I'm, I'm. It's funny because I'm literally in the shadow of Vesuvio, and I don't. I, th- I don't think we discussed about it yet. But yeah, I'm very close to the Vesuvio. I'm basically in the part. Of, I'm I'm the outskirts of Napoli. I'm basically. Uh, basically, in the shadow of the Vesuvius, very close to the Vesuvius. I'm 10 minutes away from the crater. So, yeah, well, close. perfect. It's already going so well, Michele. Like, you know, the stars are aligning. Um, they may not have aligned for our club on Sunday, but they are aligning for us. Um, so yeah, so everyone listening, this is a new show because essentially I've been thinking in my way that I think about things. And there's a lot of fantastic English speaking content out there about SSC Napoli. But I've always wanted to have a show that actually talks to people in Naples and Napoli. And Michele and I were working together on an article I was writing for the Gentleman Ultra. Keep an eye on that. And I thought the chat went pretty well, Michele. I thought we got on all right. Don't you reckon? Yeah, I think so. I think so too. Yeah, it went so well that we decided to start a podcast. (laughs) There we go. I mean, how many times could you say that? So, um... That's already what we're going to do. We're going to check in regularly and and really give you the insight of of the experience of the club from the Chita itself. And Michele, you are a regular, aren't you, in Corva B, right? Yeah, that's right. Excellent. And so I think for a lot of us watching on TV that weren't in Naples, when we turned on our screens and we saw the pictures, it was quite overwhelming, actually, the atmosphere in the stadios. And it was almost bouncing. I was worried for my TV that it was going to fall off the wall. I mean, and you sent out a tweet at your account, at Napoli Tickets, um, translating the kind of edict right from, from the Kuruva. So before we start to deconstruct the game and stuff and get completely depressed, let's, can you sort of paint a picture of what the atmosphere was like leading up to the game and maybe explain why there was this change in the atmosphere in the stadium? Yeah, absolutely. You know, it was a big deal, actually. I was very excited myself because it's not... Obviously, Napoli has a... On average, we have a very good atmosphere, I believe. But I think on Sunday was exceptionally good. And that was also because, uh, as you guys might know, the ultras, so the, which are basically the hooligans, I don't know how you call it, the chanting fans, the core of the support in the stadium, they have been absent from our stadium for a while. Actually, we've been, they've been on and off for two years now because of various reasons. And maybe we're going to talk about it in the next episode. I don't know, because that, that, would, that would take a, a whole episode just to discuss what happened with Ultras and why they, they had been absent for the last two years. But yeah, so that's, that's the reason why they actually released that statement, which I translated on and I posted on my Twitter and Instagram and Facebook accounts. That was basically their way to announce, we are here for good. We're not leaving again. And we're going to do it properly this time. We're going to support properly this team because, yeah, we have something to fight for right now. So, and that's, if you follow 
uh, Napoli's dynamics, the, the stadium dynamics, you would know that that's rare. You know, they usually, so the Napoli Trust, they're not very, they don't go public that often. You know, they're very straight. They're kind of a close, close-knit group. You know, they don't release too many statements. I don't even know where they release these statements, to be honest, yeah. because they don't have official pages. They don't do anything like that. So when they do release statements, it's a big deal. And I personally, I really liked what they what they wrote. You know, Kura B specifically what they wrote in the in that statement. I don't know if you read it, but if you didn't, it was basically just basically you know something like let's go all together to the stadium, let's fight for something, let's let's support these players which have given us so much despite the lack of support, despite the COVID pandemic, despite everything, despite the injuries and everything. They've been they've been fighting for the scudetto. So let's show our support to them. Let's show let's show them how. Uh, thankful we are for what they are doing, and then they they ended the statement with a everybody with a scarf, which surprised me a lot because ultras. If you see, if you ever seen Napoli ultra, they don't wear Napoli colors, which is weird. They wear very dark colors. They wear for some reason like Heineken hats, like green hats. They never wear scarves. Uh, it's their policy not to wear Napoli colors. So it was very weird to me that they actually called. For everyone to bring a scarf, wow. I was ex- yeah, I was excited about that. And, and you're uh, right, there was a sea of of, of Abzori. Yeah, it was just, I mean, for me, I mean, I'm a I'm a plastic fan, Michele. I was born in <laughs> Manchester. I was brought up in the UK. It was a TV show. I saw Maradona play in the 1990 World Cup, and my dad was making a documentary in Naples. And weirdly, I just started following Napoli, and they're now in my heart. So to to see, from my perspective, someone that's watched a lot of Napoli on TV rather than in the stadium, the atmosphere reminded me of games like the UEFA quarterfinal against Juventus when we when we won the cup. You know, these these really cauldron-like atmosphere with all the blue, and it, it felt like a kind of cup final. What was it like in the stadium? So you you, you were there. What? How did it feel? I had the, I had the exact same feeling, my friend. You know, I I honestly I told to my friends nearby next to me. I told them it feels like a Champions League game, because it was so there's so much anticipation, and uh, the stadium was absolutely full. You know, still seventy five percent capacity because of the COVID uh, regulations, but it didn't feel like seventy five percent. It felt like hundred percent. I was talking to my friends. I was telling him, you know, does it feel like seventy five percent? I feel like it feels super full, yeah. which it was obviously it was. Uh, they sold forty-two thousand tickets for this for this game, which is which is a lot. And Napoli almost never sells out. It's very very hard. You know, I think it's gonna be more common from now on. Not just because Napoli is fighting for a scudetto. Well, we were fighting for a scudetto, but it's gonna be more common because Napoli has changed some has changed some rules about Napoli tickets and ticket and prices and stuff. So it's now it's easier to feel the less appealing sections of the stadium which are the lower sections yep which are now cheaper but other than that you know it was it honestly felt like a a huge you know just a huge knockout champions league game you know and i've been to i've been to napoli chelsea i've been to napoli manchester city i've been to napoli liverpool i've been to a lot of um, champions league games it felt exactly the same uh except obviously we didn't have the champions league anthem no. Which makes everything more exciting when it plays. It does. Yeah. And if the, the next time you're bored, you should look up the, the, the translation into English of the lyrics of the Champions League album. And they are incredibly funny how um, awful they are. But the music is great. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's all it matters. So you, you're in the Corva B pre-game. What, what's, what songs are being sung? What, just give us a little bit about what it's like. There might be people listening that are very, very far from Vesuvius who perhaps have never been. And let me, yeah, what would you say? You, let me tell you how it is. So I, basically, I love everything about going to the stadium. I've always loved it. I love the wait. I love the previous, like the days before the game. I love everything about it. So it's a little bit of a tradition for Napoli games to go to the stadium very early. I think we're one of the few stadiums which is already full, like an hour before the game, an hour and a half before the game. I myself was outside the stadium uh, two hours before the game. And then I had to wait for some friends, which were late. And I was so angry. I was like, oh, we need to go in. You know, I have to experience. And it's, it's, it's a big deal. And for this game especially, I think I got in around an hour and a half before kickoff. And I was late because everyone was already in. <laughs> and yeah, and yeah, the curva worked 
said, obviously, you don't have fixed seating, so you can sit wherever you want. So the earlier you go, the better it is because you can pick your own seat. And uh, yeah, I struggled to find seats, obviously, because it was already full. And yeah. uh, we were, but it was fun because we waited outside the stadium for the um, for the uh, the team bus, which arrived on time. Actually, a little bit late. Actually, I think it was stuck in traffic in the Tangenziale, which is Napoli's uh, motorway. And uh, yeah, the the reception. I don't know if you've seen the videos, but the reception oh, of the bus was, it was amazing. Was amazing. I mean, yeah, everyone, I wasn't there. I had the, the hair on standing No, it up. was it was crazy. It was crazy. Everyone was waiting for the bus, and uh, you know, they, they they just want to to support the team even before they get inside the stadium. It's it's crazy. You can tell way before the game starts how you know how the fans are going to be. Because these things that are usually if, I, if it was like a normal game, like a Napoli, whatever, Napoli Genoa, I don't know, something like that, you know, a Copitala game, people would go in the stadium very late. They mm. would take their time, you know. But for this game, again, everyone was early, everyone was excited, everyone was talking about this game for, for, for the whole week, basically, you know. That's how it yeah. works here. You know, we should start talking about the game way before. And uh, if you are one of the lucky few who have tickets, to go to the game, especially for this game. Um, this game's ticket sold out in four hours, by the way. They went wow. on yeah, they went on sale on Monday, so six days before the game, which is normal, surprisingly enough. I always tell people, you know, people when they get in touch with me for tickets, they say, they get anxious because they're like, oh, you know, it's two weeks before the game and where are my tickets? And I tell them, <laughs> I don't know, man. <laughs> you know, tickets are, we don't even know the prices yet because they release prices and tickets just a week before games usually. It's very random. But yeah, they sold out in four in four hours, so it was crazy. And uh, yeah, you kind of sorry, sorry, Michele. Just to just to, I want to just come in here, and I, we're going to talk about the game itself. And again, we're going to get very sad and very depressed. But let's let's think. You know, obviously, you don't represent the whole of Naples and every single Neapolitan. Uh, but I'm interested to know what sort of conversations you were picking up on before the game. What were the expectations? What what were the sort of narratives that were that were being picked up on by the T4C that you were you were hanging out with you know the thing is the sooner the, the closer the game the game gets the harder it is to stay logical about it so you can talk about the game you know in a logical way like maybe like 10 days two weeks before the game and you say oh you know like Milan's latest results are not that good and we actually play like this or like that so we might have a chance you talk about the tactics you talk about which player should play you, you go into these technical details but the closer the game the game gets the more irrational you become so you don't think about that anymore even if you are the worst team in the world um you don't you don't think that way you just say you know we should do it we will do it you know we we can do it it's gonna be massive uh, if, if we win it's gonna be like that you just try to paint a picture of what's gonna be like if we actually win this and, and so would you say there was optimism? Because obviously us Napoli fans are very superstitious and it's... They are, but I don't, I don't think, you know, I don't think we were talking about we are going to win or we're going to lose. We're talking about what if we win? You know, we've been hurt too many times. You know that. So it's very hard to, for us to just say, oh, we're going to win. And if we win, we do this with this. It's very hard to do that. So we kind of, we approach the idea of actually being the better team and actually winning this game very, you know, carefully, because we don't want to get hurt again. I was like that too, you know, but we, yeah. even if the odds are against you, you just think we might do it. We can do it. It's not, I wouldn't call it optimism. You know, I would just, it's, it's hope, you know, you, you, you hope. Otherwise, why you go to the stadium? You can go to the stadium thinking, oh, you know, we're going to lose, but might as well. No, you just hope for it. You, you know, I had some friends, like a few of them saying, I think we're going to lose. I don't think we have hope. But you don't, you don't think that way. You know, you just said, no, man, no, man. We're going to fight, you know. I think, you know, and to be honest, we had all our players for the first time in, in months, right? Everyone was injured. Everyone was in the African Cup. Everyone was uh, COVID and everything. For the first time, except I think Malquid and, and Juan Zebe, we had all the players. So we, yeah. had, we had reasons to be hopeful yeah. about it. So that's reasons how it goes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah, that's how it goes. Yeah, and I think um, so. Okay, and that was very much in the uh, in an hour and a half before the game. There was that sense of anticipation, Absolutely. and then and then the team come out, and then I think start the game 
pretty well, actually. I was quite impressed with the first sort of maybe 10, 15 minutes. There was a very, very high energy performance. I think the, the team picked up on the atmosphere coming from, from you guys, to be honest. I think there was that electric sense of, wow, okay, the whole stadium's behind the team and the team are picking up on that. And that conversation that can happen sometimes between the team and the supporters. And as you said, over the past couple of years, that sometimes hasn't been there, has, has it? Really seemed to be happening on the pitch. Is that fair, would you say, in those opening, opening moments of the game? I think so. I think so. It was they were they were very excited. I think about the atmosphere again. It doesn't happen that often. Napoli Stadium is not that full all the time, and uh, again we've been missing all trust for a for a few times. You know, in the last in the last two years. So again, they weren't used to it. The game was had a lot of anticipation. The fans were expecting this game to. We're waiting for this game for a long time, and and the team too. You know, so yeah, I think. Once they stepped on the pitch, I don't know if you saw it on television, but we're all waving our scarves before kickoff. Yeah, right. Did you see that? Yeah, that was that, was, that was. that was. Yeah. Again, I was surprised myself because that that never happens, and that came from the ultras. Yeah. So the whole stadium did it, and then the ultras uh, actually organized. We started chanting, and then we waved our uh, our scarves. And uh, I think um, it was... what was the charm? Can I ask you? Like, is there a particular kind of charm? Is it? You I know... think you know. It's it's you know they have no order, but I think if I remember correctly, the first chant we chanted while we were wearing our scarves was the Napoli Torna Campione chant. So, which basically, basically means you know Napoli become champion again. So it's yeah. just a way of saying you know Napoli win the league. You know, win the league for us. Saro Conte, yes, the Saro Conte chant. Yeah, that was very. Yeah, yeah, that was nice. That was uh, that was appropriate, I think. And obviously, that is uh, and Spalletti has put that on the bibs this season. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, Yeah. I mean, you could definitely hear that. Um, what sat on my sofa all the way in in the west of Scotland. So yeah, you know, it's it's kind of hard to say. You know, when you are in the middle, I was sitting right in the middle of the curva with all the trash and all the the flags waving in front of me. So I actually I couldn't see that much. You know, I couldn't I couldn't see the game that well because I have a. I had a huge, like what I think the biggest, the biggest flag in Curva B was right in front of me, so okay. I could see like maybe like thirty percent of, of of the pitch, yeah, at all, yeah, at all times. So I was, which was actually a blessing in disguise. I think so. Game. I think so. I agree. I agree. I was, yeah. I, I can pretend. I can. I was. What was on the flag? I don't. I don't remember. I should see the pictures. I don't. I don't remember. Not I think it was just a. I was just a generic. It was just a generic. You know. Let's. Let's support Napoli, that kind of thing. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, it's always the same, the same flags. But I think yeah. I had the biggest one. Maybe it wasn't the Maradona one. It was another a white one. I don't remember. But yeah, so I, you you can't really tell from that position how the chants are going, how loud we are. You know, you can you can't really tell how cur- how curva A is doing, how loud they are. So you kind of chant and you try to forget about. It. You know, you you try to to chant as loud as possible. You don't know yeah. if in tele, you know, in on television is gonna be heard or not. But yeah, it was, oh, it was. yeah, it was heard. It was interesting on on uh, Napoli Twitter in in Inglesi anyway. Everyone picked up on it. You know, it was really. I mean, I tweeted out that it, it feels like it's bouncing and and it was huge. And I suppose this, this kind of reminds me of, of the end of La Traviata when everything seems like it's going to be okay. And then everything turns to shit. At the end. <laughs> it was like, it was so just set up, wasn't it? So like, as you say, the ultra were behind, everyone was singing or waving us guys. There's a huge optimism. And then, and then what... we started playing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe we should have just stopped it there. But what can, I mean, you were saying you couldn't see a huge amount, but like, when did you notice the atmosphere change? Like, did you notice that the, the team weren't quite clicking and or did it was it when we got to the goal or was it before then i think after 20 minutes we realized that it was the same old napoli not being able to take advantage of this like great great uh situation a table situation so we we should have won this game obviously it was a must win game and yeah. we didn't play like it we didn't play like we actually wanted to win i think only the first maybe 5 or 10 minutes yeah where what we expected the the team to, to do and then there was really disappointing Napoli I think again man I, I think it's it's a tactical issue but uh, we really really struggled after the first 10 15 minutes to to try to score basically that's that's what we've been struggling with for a, 
for two or three months now. Yeah. We have a very good defense. We rarely concede more than two goals per game when we concede. But we struggle to score. That's our problem. So, you know, you can, you can only do so much from the curva, obviously. You can, you can shout, you can chant, you can do... You can you be doing everything possible, Michele. There's no blame on you. No, but we, we kind of feel the blame. So, you know, it's kind of like, because obviously the thing is, and it's just natural, you can chant as much as you want, but if the team doesn't respond, uh, gradually everyone understands, kind of, kind of loses energy, I would say, you know? Yeah. You can chant. It's very hard to chant for 90 minutes if the team does nothing for the whole game, you know? Yeah. You try to support them, but they don't answer. They don't respond to it, so... I think the obviously, and it's just natural, the support kind of decreases over time. And it's, we feel guilty about it, you know, because when the team doesn't perform, that's when you should support even harder. But it's, you know, it's really hard. It's really, really hard. And uh, we, uh, at least where we, are, where we were, in, right in the middle, I think we chanted for the, whole, for the whole game. But, you know, especially the second half was really, really bad. It was really bad. And... Again. And I think, I mean, you've really picked up on something. So, you know, we were talking about that conversation between the team and the fans and how at the beginning that it was, it was clicked in, it, was, it worked and it had an effect. And then, as you say, that clicks out. Here are some stats to back up what you're saying. So this is why, I mean, it's hard to keep singing when, when the XG in the first half is 0.18 and the XG in the second half when you've got all to play for is 0.23. It's hard to sing. Not that anyone's ever sung about XG. But you know, maybe there there will be chance in the future when you've got nine shots, six are off target. You've got Milan with twelve shots, two big chances, no big chances from from Napoli. Um, there was just a disconnection in attack. I agree, and uh, again, you, you're in the stadium. I mean, for me, looking at it at home, there's a big issue with bringing out the best in in the Prince of Naples, Victor Ossiman, and, and doing something that's not just hoofing the ball up to him. And the, and the three guys behind him, uh, Politano, Signe, and uh, Zelensky, really didn't do anything over the whole game. And, and so I'm interested in, in the curva. Who were people getting frustrated at the most, would you say? Like, where, where, where was that frustration directed? Was it at Spalletti for his tactics? Was it at... Insigne or was it where where did that get directed you know again when you're in the curva when you're in the stadium you're very rushed so you can you can you can uh hope for a player to die and then you know praise his, his life and uh and, yeah, yeah. and chant for him like a god you know after in, in, the, in the span of two minutes we're sure. very rushed you know you don't really it's very hard to judge the game uh tactically Especially from the curva, because you don't really have a perception, depth perception. You don't, you don't have the view that you have from the television. So it's very yeah. hard to see what's going on. But then again, I, I didn't see anything different from the Inter game, the Barca game, you know, even the, the Lazio game. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't good. You know, people, people often forget, I think, you know, they only see the result at the end. They say, okay, you know, we won. So whatever we did in the game, it's good because it led us to a win. But that's not true. People forget, you know, people forget that we've been playing very badly to say the least, you know, since November, basically, you know, since we stopped okay. the eight, eight win streak, we've been, we've been falling off like very, very steeply. So, um, and actually, Michele, like, who have our best players been since November? They've been Rachmani, they've been Labotka, they've been people who are part of that defensive unit, right? Yeah. And that's yeah. where we've done really well. And I think Spalletti deserves some credit, I think, for keeping us in, in, in contention with all the injuries and stuff, but there haven't been those attacking players. I mean, Zelensky, I loved his season last season. It was great to see him blossom into a potentially world-class player. Hasn't been the same this season. You know, Politano and Signe, Lozano, these players, that they're, they're not putting in the shifts, are they? They're not putting in the numbers. Yeah. But so who, who would you say got the fieriest reception from the Corvette with the caveat that in the heat of battle in the heat at the moment there are people who are going to be overreacting but who would you say got, think, the, got the worst time i think aussie man is a fan favorite because he always fights for it you know that's what we like to see you know we like to see players fighting even against all odds aussie man runs a lot he presses you know opponents you know through the whole pitch and uh, we really like to see that unfortunately at the end of the day that doesn't count if you if you can't score 
if you score zero goals, you can you can do whatever you want. You know, you can run. You know, it's mostly alone that guy. So we kind of feel. I don't think anyone would blame Osimhen no. for this game and for Napoli's bad performances this season. So who did they blame? Part of it. Huh? Who did they blame? Again, man, it's really rational, but a lot of people were bl- were blaming. Uh, you know, uh, I think Fabian did, didn't have a good game. I think mm-hmm. Insigne really didn't have a good game. Zieliski was absolutely a ghost. You know, people yeah. were playing, were blaming them a lot. You know, I think the most, um, the angriest we've been at the stadium for this game was I think in the second half when people actually expected a reaction for a few minutes. I don't even remember when exactly because it's all up. I try to forget, you know, when we lose, I try to forget everything that happened. Yeah, I'm so sorry to put you through this again. Yeah, yeah exactly. That's, that's why it's even it's extra hard to, to talk about it now. This, hard, this podcast will kill me. <laughs> but, but you know, I think for a moment, I clearly remember that for a, for a while, for like five or ten minutes in the second half, we had the control of the game in a way. I think it would be more correct to say that Milan gave gave us control of the game. They didn't. They stopped pressing that hard, so we we could actually build. You know, we 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 could have done something with it. And um, a lot of people understands actually uh, complained about the attitude of the players in that specific moment because even if they had space even if you know they didn't have Milan players all over them trying to press and uh, get the ball again we did nothing you know we we kind of like passed passed back uh, back to Ospina we passed back to Koulibaly we didn't really try to go on the counter we didn't really try to build anything at all I don't think we produced not even like one shot on goal during those five or ten maybe one you know but nothing that dangerous so we really, I remember I was one of them. I was, you know, I, I, I regret what I screamed, you know, from the curva. I was really angry at that time because we, yeah. was, I think we all felt like it's now or never. It's either, either now we, can, we get control of the game and we start shooting, we, we try to score against Milan because they are letting us uh, build something or it's never going to happen. Unfortunately, we know how, how that went. Yeah. But I wouldn't, you know, add to that i wouldn't think i don't think it's fair to blame specific players i don't think that's fair because when my opinion is when everyone plays badly it's not the player's fault mm-hmm. if everyone so osiman didn't play a good game i don't think you can blame him but he didn't play a good game Zeliski didn't play a good game politano didn't play a good game insigne fabian even lobotka you know he did what he could but he, he wasn't that great Mm. Uh, Di Lorenzo, I don't think he had a very good game either. No. So when all these players perform, uh, underperform, and they perform so badly, I think maybe you got something wrong in terms of tactics. Yeah. You know, that's what I think. Because And I think that's, I mean, I was going to say that I think that our instinct when, when you know, Napoli loses to go, the players aren't trying enough, the players don't care. And I don't think that's true, actually. I really I don't think that's true. And I, I think agree. that, and it's, I've seen a fair bit on Twitter of people kind of saying, I can understand people get upset. And as you say, we're not rational about it. I do think there's a tactical issue here. And I do think that Spalletti hasn't got anything out of his wide players. And I think he's trying, he's getting, it's different with Ossiemen up front than Chiro Mertens up front, obviously. They're completely different strikers. Both incredibly intelligent players, but very, very, very different strikers. And I think what Spalletti wants the wingers to do is to is to get some service into Ossiemen, right? But that's not how the team's been built for so long. And there's this seems to be this huge gap between Ossiemen, like li- literally a gap, Ossiemen and the rest of the team. And I think that, I mean, have there been any conversations that, that you've had, or that you've said to me, you haven't been able to talk about the game yet to your, to your friends, but, you know, do any of these sort of more tactical conversations have these been going on in in the city and the club over the past few weeks? Because I mean, as you said, we we haven't played well for quite a long time. Is there a preferred change that people are asking for, or what 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 do you think? What what would you like to see um, Spalletti change? I think the problem is that this is not an easy, uh, a simple problem. So there's no simple solution. I think a problem in tactical. I personally don't like the four-two-three-one we're playing with because I think it relies a lot on the trequartista, which is Zieliski right now. Yeah. I don't think Zieliski is fit for the role. He's never performed well in that role. I don't know why we're playing him there. I think he he's, he's at his best when he plays in the midfield, and uh, yeah, obviously that's not happening. Yeah. What happens now is that we have a two-man midfield 
which is always overrun by our opponent's midfields. And Jaliski doesn't help there. Ozyman doesn't help there, but obviously it's not his duty to do so. And we rely on the first two, three, one. We should rely a lot of, a lot on on Insigne and Politano or Lozano, whatever the wingers, right? Yeah. But they don't they don't help him. They don't help Ozyman as much. You know, they they contribute defensively, and that's why we have. I think we still have the best defense in the in the league, right? I don't look at the table after we lose. I have no idea. I have it's no idea how many. That trophy is still intact. That's beautiful. I can I can't wait to celebrate it in the streets at the end of the season. You know, the trophy for least conceded goals in the league. We got yeah. a trophy of the most points without winning the league. And anyway, that's that's beautiful. Yeah, I can. Yeah, I have a very very full trophy cabinet. But yeah, yeah but we've got the best defense. We got the best defense by two goals. So we conceded twenty, and Inter have conceded twenty-two. So. But that's you know that's gonna be crazy because I think historically speaking, at least in the last twenty years. The Scudetto has always gone to the best defense in the league. Classic Napoli, isn't it? Right? Classic yeah. Napoli. You can make right. it up. Now. You can count on Napoli to break the record and say, yeah, that's, we have the best defense in the league and yet we didn't win anything. So, so, yeah. so let me throw something at you. So what about playing Mertens and Ossiemen together? Is, has anyone talked about that? Is that no, we, did that. we did that. I think we did that on Sunday, right? I think it was the first time in a long time that Ossiemen and Mertens played together. But only for ten, I think ten minutes, maybe it wasn't wasn't for very long. I don't think that's the issue. Again, I don't think that's that's the solution there because it's not about players. So you ask me what people think about it. You know, it, again, yeah. I was saying it's not an easy solution. So and people, you know, when you go to the bar and they get a coffee and espresso and talk about football, when you go to the barber and he's cutting your hair and you talk about Napoli, that always happens, by the way. Here, but yeah. you don't talk about you know deep, you know tactical. Uh, yeah. You know, you don't have deep tactical conversation. You have like the simplest, you know, conversation possible. So like, oh yeah, you know, Insignia was really bad. You know, let's ship him off to Canada and let's play Lozano instead or whatever. Yeah. You know, we have very simplistic opinions. But I think, yeah, people people obviously would like to see Mertens play more because he's yeah. a fan's favorite. Uh, people yeah. would like to, yeah, people would like to see, um, you know, a change in attitude. Then again, I don't think it's an attitude problem. But people would like to see players actually try. The thing is that my, my opinion is they are actually trying, but badly. You know, they have no idea what to do. So if you have no idea what to do, you increase the you you basically you you try for very risky passes. And obviously, if you take these risks, you are gonna get a lot of wrong passes. You're not gonna you can some ugly with... goals, man. We need some yeah. ugly goals. We need like that that Jiro, that sorry, Jiro. <laughs> yeah, Jiro, yeah. Uh his it was a crap goal. It was a messy, toe-poking, opportunistic. That's not going to be goal of the week, is it? It's Absolutely not Fabian killing it in. But we but never score goals like that. Like, but we that's football. That. But we don't try. Mm. That's the thing. We don't try. If you keep pushing, you know, if you actually attack, even if in a messy way, sooner or later, something will happen, you know? Yeah. And that's what happened to Milan. They were actually trying. They didn't try that hard, you know, but it was a very hard game for them. They were playing in Napoli, packed stadium. You know, yeah. there was a very, um, very bad atmosphere for them, obviously. Yeah. And they, they, they produced more than us. Sooner or later, if you keep attacking, attacking, something will happen. We didn't. So you're saying that there's, kind of, there's too much build-up and there's not enough attack, would you say? I don't think there is any build-up. I don't think we, have, we tried at all. Yeah. I, what do you think? I think from my perspective uh, on the stadium, on the stands, I don't think we, we were able to, to manage to pass the ball for like five times in a row without yes. a mistake. That's yeah. what been, yeah, with Barcelona, it was even, even more clear. Oh, that, that was, was just went, horrendous. That was like that the was worst horrendous. I've seen Napoli play. For. But that's the, same, that's, that's the same performance. That's what I mean, you know? If you play against Lazio... So what, come on, what needs to change? You were saying that you got some th- you got some thoughts, but you know maybe now's not the time. But what would you say? I do think the four two three one doesn't work. Hmm. I do think that I you know I don't want to just say you know let's try another lineup and that will solve everything, but maybe maybe it will you know I really like the four three three. I think yeah. we have the players to do it. Uh, yeah. Obviously, it's not just about players, not just about lineups. You know, I do think you know physically speaking. We are fine. I don't think players get tired. You know, I don't think play, I don't see players getting cramps. Obviously, we're getting a lot of a lot of injuries, but on the physical level, I think I think Spalletti is doing a good job, which yeah. is not something that we could have said 
uh, about Ancelotti, for example. You know, Ancelotti, oh. Ancelotti. Everyone complained about Ancelotti's uh, training sessions. Yeah. Uh, the players really weren't fit enough. Uh, the tactics were fine, but the players just weren't fit enough. They yeah. weren't motivated too. So that was the problem with Ancelotti. With Gattuso, the physical training was good. I think the tactics were off. Yeah, I agree. I totally agree. I think I think Spalletti is kind of the best of both worlds. I don't think he's he's been perfect this season, but I think he's done. I think a really good job. I, I think I don't know. For me, Michele, we need some people in the squad who we need some Giroud's in the squad. We need some people who have won some stuff that might not be the most beautiful aesthetic footballers. But who can have those, like Americans would say, clutch moments where they can just be in the right place at the right time and, and just get the ball in the net or, you know, give that kind of aura to the rest of the team that you can relax. OK, you've got one nil down, but we can keep going and we can actually. And that there doesn't quite seem to be those sorts of players in the squad. I don't think that's true. That's yeah. true. But then again, I, I still don't think that if you put a Giroud in the team or even Messi in the team, I don't think it's going to turn... You know, it's going to turn our, uh, our luck. I, think, I do think it's a tactical problem. When you, see, when you see players who have no idea what to do with the ball, you know, we get so many passes wrong. Uh, yeah. The ball goes to Lobotka, then goes to Fabian, then maybe goes to Politano, and then back to Di Lorenzo and Koulibaly and Ramani. And they, uh, since we have a two-man midfield, we always have numbers there. Um, and so it's often the Koulibaly's job or Ramani's job to start the attacking phase. Yeah, and they have no idea how to do that. I think Koulibaly, you know, he's a great player, but I, every time I see him going forward, you know, trying to do, you know, like Rui's job or Zielinski's job, um, I'm a little bit different there because the whole stadium gets crazy because it's like, you know, Koulibaly is again, he's a yeah, fan favorite, so it's like, yeah, he's, he's, he's running, he's often, often running alone going forward, and it's like, oh, wow, Koulibaly is actually trying to, you know, to go towards the, you know, the goal, towards the box. So Milan's box and everyone gets excited but again I know I, I, I don't like that I never liked that when, I think when Koulibaly's does that it means that we are desperate because we have no uh, yeah something's like, gone wrong yeah why is yeah. your centre back like bombing for yeah exactly and we needed to see a lot more of that from Zelensky I think because he's that's, good at that that's what I, I mean he's great at running up players he can nutmeg anybody you know even somebody with five or six legs um, could get well, actually, it would be easier to not make somebody with finals. Anyway, I'm not going to think about that too too much. But um, yeah, okay. So you think it's a tactical thing, and I think maybe a return to to four three three. Yeah, because you're right. Because we can put Lobotka sort of sitting, and then you've got right. Fabian and Zelensky next to each other. Maybe or Angisa. I think we have the men to do it. We can even we have different players, especially midfield. We can we could play in many many ways because we have Angisa, which could play. We we could be our Alan. You know, basically, I, yep. I, I loved Sarri. I don't care what people say. I, I, can't, I, I can't hate the guy. And, no. uh, you know, that Napoli was the best Napoli I've seen in my life. And obviously, I haven't, I haven't experienced Maradona's day. So. No, same here. I mean, I watched a lot of Napoli in the 1990s. So it's quite easy for me to say that's the best Napoli I've seen in my whole life. Yeah, that's um, right. Yeah. So Lobotka could be our Jorginho. Angisa could be our Alan. And uh, I'm sick. You know, it could be uh, obviously Zieliski. Is the right is the is the right candidate I think for that role. But, and last season he had this similar sort of numbers to Hamzik. He actually put his hand up and you know ten and ten. I think, um, yeah. I mean that Saudi Saudi midfield was like the most balanced. It's like the perfect midfield, the midfield that could do anything. Oh, but we could spend hours talking about the beautiful oh, older. Yeah, but sorry, yeah. so perhaps okay. So you reckon tweak the tactics ahead of our next game, which is against an away in Verona. Okay, so not easy, not easy at all. It's almost like the worst game possible to follow this yeah, up. Right. So, right. and again, some people might be listening to this and, and aren't fully aware of the context of this game. So, which where you have you know Napoli, the most celebrated club in the south of Italy, against Verona in, in the north, and there was some some stuff back when Maradona first signed that when he played. Up in Verona, there was a sign saying, welcome to Italy. And Maradona writes about it brilliantly in his autobiography, saying that that was motivation. And Maradona often saved his best performances against Verona because he really saw it as a moment to really symbolise 
that he's he's fighting for for, for Napoli. How how's the rivalry these days, Michele? How would you how would you describe that between Napoli and Verona? Years, you know, we're, it's unfortunately it's not an isolated case because we are. I would I don't want to use the word hate, but we are not like we're not loved in the north, you know. Like we we get the same reception whether we go to. Genova against uh, Sampdoria, whether we go to Milan against both Inter and Milan. Uh, it happens more with Inter, but Milan. I've been, personally, I've been to a Milan-Napoli in, uh, at the San Siro. And, uh, yeah, there was a really bad reception there, man. It was really, like, people screaming, like, monkey noses at me. People actually screaming at me, like, welcome to Italy. Uh, a lot of, a lot of, well, territorial discrimination, abuse, you know, a lot of stuff like that. There was the game. I don't know if you, I, I just I, I want to see you in pain again. There was the game. If I don't know if you remember it when Milik missed the last um, yeah. that like huge chance. It was still with Sarri. I think it was 2018. Yeah. It was a uh, uh, yeah tie against Milan and Milik had the goal, the the last chance there to yeah to win the game and he yeah obviously I don't miss that score. I don't miss that game. I gave him a lot of time. I've been, I've been on the podcast back in the day. I was like, we've got to give this guy some time. And we did. And then, no. No never, grazie. So, never liked him. Never liked him. Yeah, so, yeah I was just... saying, unfortunately, we, have, we get the same reception every, anywhere we go. In Rome, even in Florence. Like, people don't think that we have a big rivalry against uh, Fiorentina. But I think the, most, uh, the worst abuse I've ever gotten was in Firenze and Bologna. Actually, against Fiorentina and Bologna fans, it was honestly unbelievable. I, I actually got attacked, like physically attacked by a Bologna fan as well. I wasn't like I'm prompt. I, I didn't do anything. They just came to me and just hit me with an umbrella out of nowhere. Yeah, but that's not that's not rare, unfortunately, you know. So and in Verona, uh, they are really, yeah. There's it's a, as you said, it's a historic rivalry, not not just on the pitch but outside the pitch too. On the stands. They hate us. They hate us so much. You know, I'm gonna, just going to say it. Verona fans actually hate Napoli fans. Uh, so you can, you it's going to be tough. It's, yeah, I mean, you got to, yeah. And it's going to be tough for the team in that atmosphere and to come off such a disjointed performance against uh, It's going to be tough. It's going to be tough off and on the pitch. Um, so we sold, I think, 1,500 away tickets for this game. So the away stand is going to be full there. Oh, uh, that's uh, good. Yeah, and uh, the whole stadium is gonna be full actually. So they sold it's sold out, but very nearly so. Well, let's yeah. let's hope there isn't any trouble because you know it's it's no, it could get uh, it could get spicy, couldn't it? It could get spicy because I think Curva Trust will be traveling there. Um, because, so they're yeah, they're following up. They're being true to their word from the from the statement. So that is so that's that's interesting that the that the off the back of. The Milan, everyone's very disappointed, but that support is still there. Absolutely. Um, always there. Always there. Yeah, yeah. Fun. That's know, these guys, yeah. you know, Curva. So Curva is the, the Curva where with fans which travel. So Curva B doesn't travel. Curva fans travel. And that's, yeah, uh, yeah that's also complicated, but it's basically down to the Tessera del Tifoso, the Fidelity, Napoli Fidelity card, okay. which kind of puts you on a list for the police. So it's not something that Napoli issues, it's something the police issues. And right. that's something that the police, the, the, the Italian government um, created to keep track of uh, traveling fans, especially. So Curva B, at, at the beginning, Curva A and Curva B Trust both rejected it. And they both said, we are never going to, everyone, all the trust in Italy actually said so, you know, like we, we yeah. don't like it. We don't want to be scared. We don't want to be put on a list just because we are attending a football game. Uh, unfortunately, it seems like the government had its ways, and so Curva uh, Trust eventually, eventually um, got their cards, and now they can travel. Curva Trust uh, kept true to their words, so they didn't get the card, and they cannot travel uh, around Italy when the away games are restricted for Napoli fans, which is basically for 95% of yeah. games. It's a big, yeah, so, yeah. That's something that. So okay, I mean that's again. Really interesting, and I think we should definitely do one of these episodes where we go, we go in deep on on ultra culture over in 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 Napoli, and you know, there's been some interesting stuff written out there about broader ultra culture um, for people interested in finding out a bit more because it's a very nuanced status. It's you know, there the have been some 
examples of hooliganism and violence but there's also a whole other thing about ultra their role in the club and their vital importance of clubs it's very yeah. specific yeah. isn't it to the italian experience of football um i'm not going to make you do a prediction michele don't worry i don't do it i don't yeah. i can't do it we don't do them on far from receiving deliberately I'm way, so, too, i'm way too biased you know yeah so uh okay so that's That's sort of the game before and the game ahead. And I, you know, because we're speaking direct to Napoli, to Naples, I think that this is an opportunity for me to, to get some information out of you for our, for our listeners who are far from Vesuvius. Um, so if you could think of a word from Neapolitan that most sums up the week that you've had, what, what would that be, Michele? I have many of them. <laughs> I would say in Napolitan. Yeah. Same. I would use the word chiavica, you know, which I really wouldn't know how to translate, but it's just a way to say, you know, really bad, really, okay. really bad. When something is bad, you know, like if you had like a bad coffee, how was that coffee? It was a chiavica. So it was really bad, you know. So yeah, it was a really bad, really bad, uh, well, couple of days after the game so far, you know. We, sure. Again, as I told you, when you asked me, you know, How do, what do people think about the game? I told you, I haven't spoken to my friends about it because we're all saying, you know, let's not talk about it over WhatsApp because, you know, that's a discussion we have to, do, we have, to have in person. That's how, that's how big it is. That's how heavy it is, you know? Like, yeah, absolutely. Okay, cool. Um, okay, well, hopefully next week or in a couple of weeks when we next speak, the, the Neapolitan word will be something, something more optimistic, but it's good. Good that you can be honest. I like that. And like, okay, so... You're, you're in Naples. You've seen the team lose this big game. Where's the best place to go to drown your sorrows? So is there a particular bar or a particular location? Where's the best place to go to, to experience the lows, to be able to get yourself back up? I think you just have to have a stomach full of pizza to drown all your sorrow. You know, there isn't a specific place where you can actually go drink with the other Napoli fans. The whole city is a Napoli club, basically. You know, yeah. we have only one, we have only one team. So whenever, wherever you go, it's going to be Napoli. You go to the bar, you go to the restaurant, you know, it's always Napoli. You go to the barber, you know, they're going to, you're going to talk about Napoli. So a lot of people ask me, you know, like a lot of questions I get from people who come to Napoli, who don't attend games at the stadium. They're like, where could I go to experience the game with other Napoli fans? And I just tell them everywhere, man. It's everywhere just any bar any restaurant is gonna be full of napoli fans that's how it yeah. is here There yeah, isn't a exactly. specific place it's everywhere so is there anywhere where you've had a particularly good pizza recently or a particularly good experience in- i've been to starita but again it's not somewhere you would where you would go talk about napoli that's i don't know if you know it but it's one of the best pizza places in napoli obviously it's fancy man it's good yeah yeah, yeah exactly but yeah it's probably not somewhere where you you take your shirt off and Around your head, no, 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 you would, no, you would do that maybe in a bar in the historic center, yeah. close to Via Mezzocannone, somewhere like that. So, I can hear the scooters all going past, even you talking about it. I can hear just the constant sound. Um, <laughs> but yeah, okay, great. Well, I'll ask, I'll be asking this regularly, depending on the the mood that we're in about the best place to dot dot dot. Um, okay, cool. So, well, hopefully, something better is going to happen come Verona um what we'll do is that we will we need to come up with a hashtag Michele so people can ask us questions but uh, you know I don't know hashtag in the shadow maybe maybe yeah maybe, maybe. I quite like that let's see what people think yeah yeah so you have any questions people listening for, for next week about you know the experience in in Naples we have Michele's very kindly given us time and his insight or any questions for me that's the thing to do Um, maybe just share your own experiences of coming to see the games in Naples. Like, you know, if you've got any, you had any good times there, bad times, experience of being in the stadium, in the Curva, hashtag in the shadow. And uh, we'll talk about them next week. But I think that's a pretty good first episode. We're still talking to each other, Michele. Yeah, I think so. I think so. Just, you know, very sad, very sad episode, unfortunately, you know, again, I'm sorry. Yeah, I know. Like the Milan game was really, you know, uh, we're in pain. I am in pain right now. I had very big expectations for that game. And we did, Napoli did what they do best, you know, they just killed us. You know, they just said, you know, 
You had hope? It's the hope that kills me. So. Yeah. It's the hope. That's the thing. It's the hope. I can't yeah. handle it. I, I couldn't concentrate on Sunday until the game. And uh, anyway, um, yeah, that's, the, that's the fifth time it happened this season. Every yeah. time, you know, I go through the same cycle. You know, yeah, let's hope we can do. I think we can do it. And then we have like, like a really bad loss and said, oh, you know, this team, this team is hopeless. And then slowly I start to hope again and then I get demolished. And then I think it's the first time I do it this season. And once again, I'm saying here and now I have lost hope for this team. I will not hope again for the Scudetto and this time is for good. And maybe next week I will have changed my mind again. It'll be completely different, completely different Neapolitan word next week. So, um, Michele, if, if people want to find you on Twitter and Instagram, what, where, do they, where do they go? Well, I am Get Napoli Tickets on Instagram and Facebook, and I am Napoli, at Napoli Tickets on, um, on, on Twitter. So, Correct. yeah, so if you have any, any questions about, you know, how to get to the stadium, anything about Napoli in general, you know, like just drop me a message. I'll be, I'm always happy to help. And, you, and your account's great. And you don't just tweet about tickets and stuff. You're also really good at giving us the, the insight of what's, what's going on over there. So that, that's where you find Michele. You find me uh, at Henry Bell Calcio. And this is part of the uh, Far From Vesuvius network, which is at Far From Vesuvius. Um, there's some great stuff going on around the network with Rafa and Ralph and Ken and Marco and Kirsten. So, you know, please do keep an eye on us. Um, Michele, grazie mille. Per oggi. Piacere mio. Uh, yes. Oh, very good. I'm learning Italian. It's not good <laughs> Excellent, enough. excellent. It was excellent. That's fine. Um, okay, well, thanks very much, everybody. And Forza Napoli. Sempre.